Good morning again. Please turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 27. Leviticus 27. We are, as I mentioned earlier, we're in the last chapter of Leviticus this week. We've been working through Leviticus for some months, and we we made it. So for those of you who doubted, uh, we made it. Before we... Before we read together, uh, let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your love for us in your Son. We thank you for your Word. Uh, we thank you even for the book of Leviticus. Uh, we do pray, Father, that you would be with us now, that you would be with me, that I would say what is true and right and good. Uh, we pray that you would be with us as we hear your Word, uh, that we would hear what is true and right and good. That anything that I say that is not, that would be quickly forgotten. Uh, But that your word would sink deeply into our hearts and take root and bear fruit in our lives. Father, we we thank you for the gift of your spirit who who does all these things in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Leviticus 27, beginning with verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, If anyone makes a special vow to the Lord involving the valuation of persons, then the valuation of a male from 20 years old up to 60 years old shall be 50 shekels of silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. If the person is a female, the valuation shall be 30 shekels. If the person is from 5 years old up to 20 years old, the valuation shall, for a male, be 20 shekels, and for a female, 10 shekels. If the person is from a month old up to five years old, the valuation shall be for a male five shekels of silver, and for a female, the valuation shall be three shekels of silver. And if the person is 60 years old or over, then the valuation of a male shall be 15 shekels, and for a female, 10 shekels. And if someone is too poor to pay the valuation, then he shall be made to stand before the priest, and the priest shall value him. The priest shall value him according to what the vower can afford. If the vow is an animal that may be offered as an offering to the Lord, all of it that he gives to the Lord is holy. He shall not exchange it or make a substitute for it, good for bad or bad for good. And if he does, in fact, substitute one animal for another, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. And if it is any unclean animal that may not be offered as an offering to the Lord, then he shall stand the animal before the priest, and the priest shall value it as either good or bad. As the priest values it, so shall it be." But if he wishes to redeem it, he shall add a fifth to the valuation. When a man dedicates his house as a holy gift to the Lord, the priest shall value it as either good or bad. As the priest values it, so it shall stand. And if the donor wishes to redeem his house, he shall add a fifth to the valuation price, and it shall be his. If a man dedicates to the Lord part of the land that is his possession, then the valuation shall be in proportion to its seed. A homer of barley seed shall be valued at 50 shekels of silver. If he dedicates his field from the year of Jubilee, the valuation shall stand. But if he dedicates his field after the Jubilee, then the priest shall calculate the price according to the years that remain until the year of Jubilee, and a deduction shall be made from the valuation. And if he who dedicates the field wishes to redeem it, then he shall add a fifth to its valuation price, and it shall remain his. But if he does not wish to redeem the field, or if he has sold the field to another man, it shall not be redeemed any more. 
But the field, when it is released in the Jubilee, shall be a holy gift to the Lord, like a field that has been devoted. The priest shall be in possession of it. If he dedicates to the Lord a field that he has bought, which is not a part of his possession, then the priest shall calculate the amount of the valuation for it up to the year of Jubilee, and the man shall give the valuation on that day as a holy gift to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field shall return to him from whom it was bought, to whom the land belongs as a possession. Every valuation shall be according to the shekel of the sanctuary. Twenty geras shall make a shekel. But a firstborn of animals, which as a firstborn belongs to the Lord, no man may dedicate, whether ox or sheep, it is the Lord's. And if it is an unclean animal, then he shall buy it back at the valuation and add a fifth to it, or if not, if it is not redeemed, it shall be sold at the valuation. But no devoted thing that a man devotes to the Lord of anything that he has, whether man or beast, or of his inherited field, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is most holy to the Lord. No one devoted who is to be devoted for destruction from mankind shall be ransomed. He shall surely be put to death. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. One shall not differentiate between good or bad, neither shall he make a substitute for it. And if he does substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses for the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. What does it feel like to receive a gift? Unprompted, unearned, uh, not, not an obligatory gift, not, not a, a reciprocating gift, not, a, not even a Christmas or birthday or anniversary gift, but just, just an out of the blue, I love you gift. You know, some people don't like getting gifts, actually. Uh, they, they feel kind of put on the spot. They feel embarrassed. Some people feel that there must be some kind of a catch, and now they owe you something. Uh, some people feel like they don't deserve a, a gift, right? They're not good enough to receive this from you. Sometimes uh, you get something you don't want, and then, of course, you have to figure out how you're going to respond to the person giving the gift. But others of us, assuming that we at least semi-like the gift, uh, we feel loved when we're given a gift, right? We feel cared for. Now, gifts don't have to be the kind that are bought in a store or wrapped up in a bow, all real gift giving is about giving a piece of yourself to another person. You, you give your time, you give your talents, you give your money, you give your energy, you give your attention, right? You give your heart to someone else. And I would argue that actually this is, this is of the very definition of love. Loving someone is, is giving them a piece of yourself. That's love. Jesus said, there is no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend, giving your whole self for the sake of another person. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And this is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and gave us his son. See, there's, there's, there's actually no real love. There's no even relationship apart from some kind of mutual self-giving. And think about it. If you and I are going to have a relationship, that means we're, we're going to have some kind of mutual sharing, right? Whether that, that, that may be um, 
even at a bare minimum, it may be we share space together. We spend time together, which means that we give each other the, the gift of our presence, the gift of our time. Right? We're, we're being together. Loving someone means giving a piece of yourself. There, there's no love, there's no relationship apart from some kind, on some level, of gifting ourselves to another person, this back and forth relationship. This actually begins to help us make sense out of Leviticus 27, believe it or not. Uh, Leviticus 27 begins in verse 2. Uh, it says, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, If anyone makes a special vow to the Lord. <coughs> to vow is essentially to promise to give something. Right? To make a vow is to promise to give something. The, the language changes in the middle of the chapter in verse 14 to the language of dedicate. Uh, or, or consecrate, which is really just the act of giving something over to God, of making something holy. And so to vow is to promise to give something to God, and to dedicate is to give that thing to God. And so the whole chapter is really about giving things over to God, both the intent or, or the pledge to give something over in a vow, and then the actual giving of that thing over in, in dedication. Uh, you can see in our outline this morning on the back of the bulletin, this is what we're going to talk about, this, this idea of gift giving to our Father. And so um, you see the three main points on the outline. We'll talk about thank you gifts and life as a gift from the Father and then life as a gift to the Father. And I guess one of the questions that, that you can be thinking about as we work through this passage, as we think about vowing, promising, giving, gift giving, uh, is really how can I give myself in love and gratitude to the Father? Right? How, can, how can you as an individual, as a particular person, right, give of yourself to your Father? So first we'll talk about thank you gifts. Right? Essentially, a vow, uh, vows were thank you gifts. Uh, you know what a thank you gift is, right? Someone has done something for you and, and you want to express your thanks, your appreciation for that person. And so you give them some token of that appreciation, a small gift which represents your thanks. Thank you gifts are not paying the person back, right? At least they shouldn't be. Uh, they're not bribes. They are merely an expression of gratitude. It's a way of saying thank you to another person. Vows were like that. Uh, you see this in the Psalms. Someone makes a vow to God in thanks for some saving act that God has done. So God does something for the person. He cares for the person in some unique way. He provides for them. And the person makes a vow to express thanks to God by giving over something to the Father. Vows and dedications both were acts of thanksgiving. Uh, sometimes they were promised ahead of time in the Psalms, uh, but even then, it shouldn't be seen as, as making a deal with God, uh, but as promising to offer thanks when God comes through. God, when you come through for me, here's how I'm going to thank you. Here's how I'm going to praise you. This chapter, chapter 27, just kind of facilitates the giving of thanks in Israel. Uh, gift giving and, and giving thanks, of course, are parts of life everyday life, and these laws regulated that in Israel's ceremonial context, right? I mean, how do you give a gift to God? Well, here, here's some regulations, right, that would help Israelites to give thanks to their father. 
Uh, people gave thanks to God in Israel by offering gifts to him, which in Israel meant bringing that to the priest or to the temple. Um, one might offer themselves as a gift. We saw that uh, from the very start of the chapter. And what that meant was you were offering your service to God, right? God, I'm going to offer you my service and thanks for what you've done. Uh, you might offer an animal. Uh, if it was clean, uh, a sacrificial animal, that meant you sacrificed that animal on the altar. Uh, Unclean animals, along with houses and fields, uh, could be offered to God as well, offered to his service, given over to the priests. Um, if you vowed one of those things, though, they could also be redeemed, which basically meant you bought back your own gift, which is kind of a weird concept for us. Uh, you know, when someone gives us something, uh, we don't look kindly on them when they ask for it back. But the idea here is, you know, you, you give something over, you vow something to God, but then for whatever reason you realize you, you need that thing. And God in his grace allows you to redeem it. The same way he redeemed us, uh, though there's a cost, right? Uh, so you had to add 20% of the object's worth. And that, 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 that was kind of the price on reneging on your vow. Maybe, maybe it was there to discourage people from making rash vows, which we often do, right? Um, you know, throughout history, people have made the kind of vows where, God, if you will get me out of this right now, then I will give you fill in the blank, right? Um, that's a rash kind of vow, right? You're making it on the spur of the moment. You don't really mean it, right? You don't have any intention of giving that thing to God, uh, but, you know, you're just hoping that you can buy God off with a vow, um, with a promise. And so there's, a, there's, a, there's sort of a, a discouragement here from making rash vows because if you want that thing back, uh, you had to pay an additional 20% for whatever it was, the, the field or the house or the animal. The end of the chapter just talks about things that could not be dedicated. Uh, firstborn animals could not be dedicated uh, because all the firstborn animals in Israel already belonged to God. They were already to be consecrated to him. Uh, or given over to him, so you couldn't dedicate to God what was already uniquely his. Um, things devoted could not be dedicated. Uh, devoted, you know, what's the difference? Devoted, dedicated, all kind of sounds the same to us. Uh, devoted was a, a much stronger word uh, than dedicate. It really means something that is off limits, right? If something was devoted, it was off limits. Uh, most often it referred to things that were given over to God by way of destruction, things that were meant to be destroyed because they were uniquely God's, they weren't ours, hands off kind of thing. Um, so the point, again, is you can't dedicate to God something that was already devoted completely to him. Uh, tithes, too, you see at the end of the chapter, could not be dedicated because the tithe was also in Israel a required offering that recognized God as the giver of all good things. And so this chapter, uh, as, as odd as it is to us, it, it just facilitated for Israel the giving of gifts to the Father. Uh, what can be given, what can't be given, how to give that thing, and what happens when you promise to give something and then you realize you need it back, right? So all of sort of the, uh, the, the, yeah, the facilitation of, of that gift-giving process. It's strange to us. It's strange to us in part because we don't even think about giving gifts to God, I mean, that part alone is strange to us, right? Besides all of the sort of the litigious nature of the chapter for us, it's strange even to think about just giving gifts to God, period. Like, what does that even mean? What does that look like? Well, hopefully it will become more concrete as we uh, go through it this morning. Which actually already brings us to our second point, uh, which is life as a gift from the Father. Life as a gift from the Father. 
Uh, life, life is a gift from our Father. We already said that, that love is about giving gifts. It's giving of yourself to another person. If all of life is a gift from the Father, that means all of life is about the Father's love. Right? Because it's His gift. And only when I get that will life actually as a gift to the Father begin to make sense. Right? You, you can't understand the one without the other. You know, and the reason is sometimes gifts are bribes, right? I mean, you, you know that kind of gift. Um, someone is mad at you, and uh, you, you messed up. Maybe it was at work. Maybe it was at home. Maybe it was with a friend. And you do something a little extra to try to kind of win them back, to try to gain back their favor. Uh, often this is out of fear, right? Because you know, I, I need this person's approval, right? I, I, I want them to like me. I don't want my boss to be mad at me at work. I don't want my spouse to be mad at me at home. And, and I kind of try to win them back through a gift. It might be little, right? It might be a card or, or taking them out to eat or it, staying late at work to get a project done because you know your, your boss will be happy with you if you do that. Remember, gifts don't have to be in a bow, right? Just giving a little something extra. You see, if I'm unsure of the Father's love, then everything that I do for Him will be done to try to gain certainty, right? It, like trying to smooth things over with my boss. If I'm not sure of the Father's love for me, then anything I give to Him is going to be tainted with this idea that maybe God will love me a little more if I do this, whatever this is, if I go to church, if I pray, if I give to the poor, well, it doesn't matter, right? I want to be sure God loves me, so I do something. I, I want to be sure God will forgive me, so I do something. I want to be sure God won't turn his back on me, so I do something. That's not a gift of gratitude, right? That's an attempt to control God through my actions. That's a, that's a bribe, right? Maybe God will like me if. But if I know that the Father loves me, then I can live a life of, of love and gratitude in response. And though they may look the same, right, bribes and gifts are completely different. Right? Bribes are an attempt to control. Gifts are a response of gratitude in this case. Life is a gift from the Father. Everything that is belongs to Him. Right? Leviticus 25, a few chapters ago, emphasized this. The land belongs to God which means everything that comes from the land belongs to him. He made it, it's his. Uh, we are his servants, right? He made us. God created all that is. God upholds and oversees all that is, which means everything that you have and everything that you are, your life, your breath, your strength, your food, your house, your iPhone, your college education, right? Everything is a gift from the Father. Salvation also is a gift from our Father, right? The Bible teaches that humanity from the start spurned God's gift. God said, look, everything is yours, placed Adam and Eve in the garden, everything is yours, uh, but not that, right? God said there was, there was one tree that was off limits. So what do we immediately do? Uh, we, we run for what is not ours. Uh, we spurn the gift giver by rejecting his, his gift and stealing his personal belongings, right? Uh, the problem is this is not just a friend. This is the God of the universe, right? Uh, this is not petty theft. This is cosmic treason. And the punishment for rejecting the Father's gift and robbing the Father's house is being kicked out of that house and left for dead. 
or to put it differently, right? Having rejected God as God and decided we were going to run life our own way, God was perfectly just to reject humanity as his people. The Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death. God is just to leave humanity to our own devices, to finally abandon us. And yet instead of that, he gives another gift. God gives us the gift of his son. God's son becomes a man. He enters the world as a baby and he gives his life for our sins. He takes the punishment for our cosmic treason that we might be forgiven. And Jesus then pours out the gift of his spirit to free us from the power of sin, to enable us to cry out to God as our Father, to strengthen us to walk in new life and to be with us always. He gives us the gift of his presence. And so on the one hand, whoever you are, everything that you have is a gift from the Father in heaven. Everything. And if you are a Christian, then not only everything you have, but your salvation itself is a whole series, a whole complex of gifts from the Father. Freedom from sin's guilt and power. Freedom from the finality of death. Freedom from uh, 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 hell and sin. And the presence of the Father walking with us. God made you. God provides for you. The Father has a kind and benevolent love for all people. And yet if you want to know his saving love, his forgiving love, his, his personal presence, that is found in his Son and in all that God did in Jesus at the cross. Okay, so uh, according to what we've said already, love is about giving part of yourself to another, which means we see the Father's love in creating the world and preeminently in sending his Son. Right? The Father loves you. Everything that you have is a gift from his hand. And only with that foundation can we then begin to think about and talk about life as a gift to the Father. You know, our, our giving of any kind to the Father is always a response to the Father's love and grace. I mean, even the placement of this chapter in Leviticus, right, at the very end of Leviticus, is like saying, okay, in light of all my grace, in light of the, the blood which cleanses of sin and removes guilt and brings forgiveness, in light of my mercy, here is how you can respond. You can give yourself to me. And there are, are six things about this giving that I want to look at. You see them listed there in uh, your bulletin. And the first is that, really building on what we've already said, God enables us to give. This, this again, this follows from what we've said. God gave Israel their lives by bringing them out of Egypt. Uh, God gave them a land uh, by bringing them into the promised land. All of life was fundamentally his, but he gave that life to Israel. And that means whatever Israel would have to give to God, it was really a giving back to him. Right? They didn't have anything. They would have been slaves in the mud pits of Egypt were it not for God bringing them out and planting them in a new land. So all that they had to give to him was his, but he, he, he bestowed it on them so they could return it as a gift to him. We are fundamentally re recipients of life as a gift. Right? We're fundamentally, we are receivers, not givers. And as a receiver, though, I'm empowered to give in response. Or to put that differently, one of the great gifts of God to his people is the ability to give ourselves back to him. Right? He, he gives to us. He pours out his love and grace on us. 
And then we are enabled, empowered by that to respond to him in love. Two, God wants us to give freely. So he enables us to give. He wants us to give freely. You know, on a human level, uh, if you give something to someone you know, you can't expect a gift in return. Because if you do expect a gift in a return, you're no longer giving a gift, but you're making a trade. Right? That's a trade. I give you something, and then I expect something in return. That's not a gift. It's a trade. Now, God has a right to demand anything he pleases. He made us. It's all his. Nevertheless, uh, vows were freely given, right? This, this chapter in chapter 27, it's, you know, if a man, uh, if, if someone makes this kind of vow, if someone dedicates this type of thing, uh, vows were not demanded. They, they were, they were uh, freely given. In one sense, all of life, of course, is to be directed toward God, right? Everything in life is to be directed to him. Everything we do is for his glory. But how we do that within, of course, the, the moral guidelines of Scripture, how we do that is actually up to us. How you offer yourself up to the Father, what you offer up to the Father. Uh, think about, this may be an odd story to go to uh, in this context, but think about the story of Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament. Uh, who are Ananias and Sapphira? You're wondering, right? Well, uh, in the early church, Ananias and Sapphira, they sold a piece of land and they gave the money to the church. But they lied uh, they said they gave the full price of the land when they, they actually only gave a part of the price of the land. And Peter rebukes Ananias with these words in Acts chapter 5. He says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Uh, notice what Peter emphasizes there. He emphasizes the land belonged to them, right? It was your land. Uh, you could do with it as you saw fit. They had the choice to do what they wanted with the land. Uh, they chose to give part of it. That was fine, actually. But they lied and said they gave all of it, which was not so fine. And also shows that even the part they gave was not out of gratitude to God, but to put on a show before men. Right? That, that's what was going on in their heart. They wanted people to think that they were generous. They weren't really concerned about giving out of gratitude to their father. See, what we have is ours to use. That was true of Ananias and Sapphira. It's true of us. God has given it to us. He's stewarded it to us, if you want to use that term. Um, does God want us to return some of our time and talents and money and energy and attention to him in thanksgiving? Of course he does. Right? If you're married, don't you want some of the time and talents and money and attention of your spouse? If your spouse spent all of their time with other people, all of their talents and money on other people, and only gave their attention to other people, that would be a problem. God wants us to return our lives to him. Because he wants, but, he, but he wants us to do it freely, not under compulsion. You see this in a couple different verses in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, where Paul says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Or in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, Peter says the same thing about elders in the church. Uh, he says about elders, he says they are to shepherd 
the flock, shepherd God's people, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. He says the work of an elder, right, is to be a service to God rendered freely and willingly. Not because you have to, not because you're going to get something out of it, but to please the chief shepherd. And so our, our service to God, God wants us to give to him, but freely, willingly, right, not under compulsion, not because you have to, but because you actually want to, because you want to give thanks to your father. Which brings us to our next point, which is that God values our gift. You know, one of the oddest parts of this passage is verses 2 through 8. These verses talk about the valuation of people if they are vowing themselves to God's work. Now, only the Levites were allowed to actually work in the temple. And so if you promised to give yourself to God's work, uh, you gave a sum of money to the tabernacle, which represented your service, right? You were giving a sum of money kind of as a token, as a pledge, as a representation of your life, of your service. And what bothers us, as we read through these valuations, is that people are not valued all the same. Uh, men were valued at a higher price than women in these valuations. Uh, people in the prime of life were valued higher than those who were younger or older. It seems to be kind of a bias or prejudice in the passage, which we wish weren't there. And the question is, okay, where does this come from? Right? Where, do, where do these valuation prices come from? What is this all about? Uh, how does God evaluate or value uh, various people in this section? The valuations are actually likely the price that would have been fetched for these individuals in the slave market of the day, which maybe doesn't help, only makes it worse. Uh, but the point was not to endorse the slave trade. Uh, the point was by offering yourself, you're offering your work. Uh, in that agrarian society, your work meant your manual labor. And the question of value here has to do with how much manual labor could you get out of someone, right? That's uh, the, the, the idea. Um, it, same thing is true with the fields later on. Look at verse 16. The fields were valued in proportion to its seed, right? So, so what was the produce of this field? So the, then the question comes to our mind, all right, I don't know that that's really any better. Is that how God values people, <laughs> right? Is that how God values me? How much work can I get out of this person? Well, the answer uh, you'll be happy to hear is, is an emphatic no. Uh, and, and that is actually evident even in this passage. Uh, look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, If someone is too poor to pay the valuation, then he shall be made to stand before the priest, and the priest shall value him. The priest shall value him according to what the vower can afford. Uh, the, these valuation prices, by the way, were actually not cheap. They were pretty expensive. Uh, it's possible that some of these were multiple years worth of wages, right? So this was not, this was not, to vow yourself to God, of course, is not an insignificant vow, and it came with a fairly significant uh, price. But the poor person is valued according to what he can afford, right? So you're vowing yourself to God, okay, well, what, what can you afford? What, as a token of that? Um, does God value the poor person less than the wealthy? Well, of course not. Uh, but he allows the poor person to pay less, and this allows that, that person to still offer himself to God, but in a way that is consistent with his own individual circumstances. So then the value, valuations here, they're, they're not about intrinsic value. Uh, 
It's, it's not, God is not putting a price tag on people, but it's a, a functional, practical way in that context of offering yourself to God. Uh, the, the problem is when we begin to ask the question, how valuable am I, or how am I valuable to God, right? How am I valuable to God? Uh, we, we actually, we're already beginning to ask the wrong question. In Deuteronomy, God says to his people at one point, I loved you because I loved you. Right? We want God to be like, well, I love you because your eyes, or something like that. No, no, God just says, I loved you because I loved you. Uh, God values us highly because he has chosen to value us highly. You simply are valued by God. Jesus says to his people at one point in Matthew chapter 10, he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Or again, he says in Matthew 6, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? We are valuable to our Father. People are, are more valuable than birds, and God cares for the birds, Jesus said. God cares for them, He provides for them, and yet you are more valuable than that. The parables of the lost coin and lost sheep and lost son in, in the Gospel of Luke are all about how much God the Father seeks out lost people. He values them, He pursues them, He searches for them, He even rejoices over them when they are found. So we are valuable to our Father. He has chosen to enter into a relationship with sinful people like you and me, and he values when we give ourselves back to him. Maybe we could even use a different word there. Uh, this brings us to the fourth point, right? God delights in our giving ourselves back to him. Uh, God wants us to give ourselves to him. Romans 12, verse 1 uh, says, Offer yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. God wants us to give to him. That, that's part of the back and forth of relationship. And in the Old Testament, the sacrifices, are, it's said again and again about the sacrifices that they are a pleasing aroma to God. Right? That's one of, the, one of the aspects of sacrifices in the Old Testament. They're a pleasing aroma. Well, God says, I want you to be a sacrifice. I want you to be a pleasing aroma to me. I want you to offer your life to me so that I can delight in it. In part, God delights in us because of his image. Right? Uh, we were made in the image of the Father. We were made to reflect our God in the world. God, of course, is supremely beautiful. When we reflect him, we reflect his beauty. God delights in his image in us. It's an image that's marred by sin, that's sure, but it's not, but, but it's not completely destroyed. And so our giving of ourselves to one another and to God, that, that's actually living out part of the image of God. He is the, the great giver, the giver of all good gifts. And when we give to one another, when we give to him, we're reflecting that. God delights in us when we reflect his goodness and his grace. Now, that, that, that doesn't leave us any room to boast here. This is not about boasting. It's not about works righteousness, like how much can I give to God and then show off to the rest of the world. Uh, God's love is, is free, right? God loved us from eternity past. He sent his son to bear our sin. He has adopted us as his children all before we did anything good. The father loved us and took us to himself. And now we freely, as his people, offer ourselves back to him as a pleasing aroma, a delight to our father. 
God delights when we give ourselves to him through his son Jesus, to be sure. He delights when we give our time, when we give our talents, when we give our, our money and energy and attention to our Father. Fifth, God wants us to give of ourselves. Um, our, our Father wants us to give to him out of what he has given to us, not out of what he has given to someone else. It's actually a really important point, right? Uh, maybe you know the story of the widow's mite uh, in the New Testament in, in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 12, where we read, uh, Jesus sat down opposite the treasury in the temple and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. And many rich people uh, put in large sums of money and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Here's what we see here, right? God, God isn't judging uh, our, our service to him in relation to other people, like so-and-so gave X amount and, and you need to then give X plus four or whatever. Um, he, he's judging our, our service to him in relation to what we have, right? Look at that poor widow. She gave everything, right? She gave more in that sense. Um, the question is not, have I given more to God than the person next to me in life? The question is, what do I have that I can offer to my father? What, what, what talents, what abilities, what skills, what energy, what time, whatever, right? What has God given to me? How has God shaped me? How has God made me? as an individual, such that I can give back to him. See, we give according to what we, ourselves, individually, have been given by our Father. Remember, love is about giving a portion of yourself to another. If I love you, I will, I will give something of myself to you. One of the important things to draw from that is, again, within the general moral law of God, there's, there's, there's no one way to give ourselves to our Father. Uh, we, we're all different people. And some of you might be thinking, okay, all this talk about giving, uh, what kind of a burden are you placing on me, right? Uh, what are you expecting? Well, I'm, I'm expecting you to give yourself to your Father in a way appropriate to you. You give of your time, of your talents, of your money, of your skills, of your abilities to your Father. In one sense, everything, all, uh, we're, we're to use all of those things for the glory of God, right? That, that's true. Everything we do is to be for his glory. Um, but, but there is a way in which we might give ourselves to our Father in specific ways, at specific times. Um, so, you know, giving of myself to my Father may mean uh, giving of myself to the work of his church and of his gospel. It may mean giving to the poor in Jesus' name. Uh, it may mean giving financially to your church, whether this one or another, you know, some of you have been probably wondering whether I'm going to actually say that or not. Um, I'll just talk about giving. He's got to talk about money at some point, right? Um, well, you know, all Christians are, are called to give to the work of their church in some way. Um, certainly, uh, the money given in this passage went to the Old Testament tabernacle work of gospel ministry. That's what it went to. That is, uh, so, so giving financially to the church today is, is one important way of giving to gospel ministry. Right? That's, that's one important way of giving to the work of the gospel. That is a component 
but, but it's only a component, right? Um, giving may mean serving your church, whether this one or another, in some other way. Uh, it, it may mean giving your time and money to other worthy causes, especially those which exalt the name of Jesus. It, it may mean if you're a medical doctor, you give some of your time to short-term medical missions to serve those in need in other parts of the world. It may mean you go into full-time medical missions. Uh, it may mean if you're a lawyer, you do pro bono work, right, when you're able for those who are less fortunate and can't afford it. It, it may mean using your home as a place of hospitality for church Bible studies or for other people, people in need, welcoming them into your home. It may mean spending extra time with non-Christians, sharing God's grace with them. You know, all of us are called, of course, to share God's grace with those around us as we have opportunity. That's a calling for every Christian. But some people will devote their time to that pursuit in an even greater way. Studying how to share the gospel, studying apologetics, getting to know people uh, in, in an even deeper way, spending their time. Others, though, will serve in a soup kitchen, right, to feed the homeless as a way of showing the love of Jesus. And the point is that there are a myriad of ways, there are myriads of ways to give of ourselves to our Father. No one can expect you to do any one of these things because no one can do them all, right? You, you can't do everything. One, we don't have the time to do everything. Two, you as an individual haven't been equipped to do everything, right? You are one person, one part of the church, one, one individual piece, a part of the body, right? How are you called to serve? That's the question. The question is, what has God given to you, right, that you might return to him in gratitude and thanks? God wants us to give him ourselves. Now, he's not keeping score, right? He's not rating your gifts on a scale of 1 to 10. It's not like, all right, this one goes in the white elephant gift exchange for next year, and this one's good, right? This is a keeper, and this is not. Uh, you know, he, he just wants your heart, right, your particular heart, Expressing itself through your life. Which brings us to the, the last point, point six. Giving is our joy. You know, our, our goal in giving is the delight and joy of our Father. And delighting our Father is our joy. You know, Jesus says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, we really don't believe this. I don't believe it. I know I have met, I've met a few people, like one, who actually believes this. Um, I, I don't. It's hard to believe that. Uh, but joy is found in giving. Jesus said it, so we know it's got to be true. <laughs> uh, yes, joy is found in grace, and so it's found in receiving the Father's love, right? There, there's a definite component, right? We receive from the Father, and that is our joy. But joy in life is often found in, in making another person smile, right? In bringing joy to those around you. The same thing is true in our relationship with our Father. We, we want to bring joy to His eyes, we want to bring a smile to his face. And one of his gifts to us is enabling us to do just that. It's just the logic of relationships, right? Uh, love and relationships are about giving of yourself for the joy of another person. The gospel is about God giving of himself in the cross for the joy of sinful people. That we might be forgiven and draw near to our Father. And the Christian life is about us giving of ourselves for the joy of our Father, that we might delight in giving back to him some of what he has given to us. Let's pray. Our Father, uh, all of life is a gift from you. Everything that we have, everything that we are, it's all from your hand. 
Father, you, you have given it to us as a, as a gift. I pray, Father, that you would work in our hearts, that we would be grateful. So often we're not. Work in us that we would be grateful, Father, that we would respond in love and service to you, in giving of ourselves back to you for your glory, for your name, for the spread of your gospel, that Jesus would be exalted. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.